You're listening to a Sin podcast. You can listen to this show live by tuning your radio to 90.7 or online at sin.org.au. We at Represent would like to acknowledge and pay our respects to the traditional owners of the land on which Sin operates, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Sin Media respectfully acknowledges their ancestors and elders past and present and emerging, and we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians and their ancestors of the lands and waters across Australia where our continent reaches. Sovereignty has never been ceded, it always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Kids should go to school. That's what we're going to do. You're listening to Represent. You're listening to Represent, first episode of 2024, not three, not five. I've said both today. Oh, really? Yep. I wrote the date on my piece of paper as 2023, and I said to someone, yeah, my birthday this year in 2025. That sounds pretty impressive, actually. (laughs) So we're back, and it's a Thursday, so I hope people saw in the zero places that we posted that it is now on Thursday. Do you want me to post something on Instagram Yes, yes right I think now? it should be posted um, right now. So in the studio we have Bridie. Hello. Hello. I'm back. Back again. Back again. Um, Freddie, Freddie is not here. We have Declan. Hello. Make yourself known. Hello, everyone. It's great to be here. Yeah. And we have Casper. Hello. I'm here now. So uh, now. New to sin and new to represent. Woohoo. So, yeah. First now. time. Everybody, remember all those voices, and uh, we won't remind anybody. Hearing them all the time. Yep. Yeah, and you'll by the time, like you know, four weeks when Freddie gets back, we'll have forgotten about his voice. Is it really four weeks? I don't know. I think it's two or three. I don't know. I forgot. Freddie, are you listening? Are you playing this at (laughs) work? (laughs) We won't call him while he's at work. Although we should. We should. Um, how's everybody's week been? So for the two new people. Normally on a Tuesday, we would talk about our weekends, but now we have to talk about our weeks and weekends. So, Bridie, do you want to kick us off? How was your week? So, do you think I should go the week, like last weekend including, or should I talk my week and then also my future weekend in two days' time? I think you should do it that way, and then we're going to hold you to whether or not you do your future weekend. Yeah, that's a good idea. All right, well, I haven't been doing too much this week. I've been, I've got like an audition coming up, so I'm starting to really get an into the grind for that so like I had a lesson the other day caught up with my friend we made a cake Mm -hmm. and I made some shortbread at the same time because you know the oven was on so may as well um and then tomorrow I've got a class at uni and then a housewarming for one of my friends and then I'm working on Saturday and seeing my aunt on Sunday oh very busy yeah it sounds busier than it is No, I'm not. Um, Because I do a stupid idiot degree, um, (laughs) we have to be on the grind for your whole life. (laughs) Great. So I've 
um, got an audition in a couple of weeks for uni, but they have to do it before semester starts. Uh, okay. So it's just been like, I, it wasn't like an official lesson with my teacher. It was just like, hello, how's your summer? Also, I'm going to play all the excerpts for you and you can teach me how to play them better. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, fun. Very fun. I look forward to holding you to your weekend plans. Okay. Declan? I hope you remember them because I yeah. Think about. I hope we hear about it. Is it in one you of the will. weeks you've put in, like, I'm not going to be here? Yes. So, yeah, okay. Well, we'll have to catch up on that when you get back. In a month or so. In a month or so. <laughs> Declan, how's your week been? Yeah, my week's been good, thank you, Naya. I had, did swimming, actually, last Monday evening, and then I had school, then I did my vet course in screen and media. Ooh, so very we nice. was gonna we're going to host a TV show, actually, which I'm going to be looking forward to. So that'll be fun, and haven't and I don't know what I'm actually going to do on the weekend. Take some time to relax. Yeah. Yeah. What's do you have a plan for the TV show? Um, I don't know. I've I've just started my vet course for the second year yesterday. I don't know. I think we might be doing a news Ooh. show, which will be fun. Very good. So I'm obsessed with news and stuff, so that'll be good. You know some stuff about that. Yes. That'll, that'll be great. You can test your material on us. Yeah. Yes, I will. It'll be like a little. Um, guinea pigs. Guinea pigs. Yeah. I didn't yeah. really think I was like, pigs, piglets, <laughs> what are they called? <laughs> Rat lab. Yeah. Casper, your week? Um, so far, so good. I would say, uh, yesterday I had quite a sad moment. My host brother from Germany has just left to go drive up the coast. Oh. And he's been in Melbourne for three months. Oh, um, wow. He found an apartment, but originally he was, sta- he might actually be listening, I don't know, but, um, uh, Machi, if you're out there, um, but he's been staying in Melbourne, and we've been having a, a, a like a very eventful summer. So it's been a sad moment that he left, but we had a good party on the weekend. And, Where's he going to? Um, so he's he's been in Melbourne for three months. He flew in, and then now he's like doing the East Coast. So nice. like every German backpacker that comes yeah. over, he's got to do the whole way up. So how far is he going? They like bought a car. York? No, I think they're going to Cairns, okay. which is. But That's he, I had to tell him that. I, well, I recently found out um, that. Uh, Brisbane is the halfway point between yes. Cairns and Melbourne. It's mad. Which is ridiculous. We have been looking up, like, it's 19 hours between Brisbane and Cairns, so it just shows you how big Queensland is, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of what I've been finding out. But, yeah, no, lovely week so far, um, and no plans for the weekend as well. I think I finally need to relax now that he's gone. <laughs> yeah, you can actually properly veg out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, fully expand myself. After your crazy summer. Yeah. Oh, that sounds like lots of fun. All right. Um, let's jump to a song before we hear all about the news from Declan. All right. Uh, I will back announce the song because who knows what it's going to play. <laughs> We're still having those issues. Declan with the news. Thank you, Brian. Um, thank you. Police have released new information about the search of the missing Ballarat mother, Samantha Murphy. She has been missing for five days and police and locals are fearing for her safety for her safe return. The Australian government's price gouging report mentions that big businesses are ripping off customers. The report says big businesses are deliberately driving up prices to fatten their profit margins. In 2023, we saw Coles and Woolworths post profits of $1.098 billion and $1.62 billion. There is a new ceasefire plan 
by Hamas, which is proposing a three-stage deal to end the Gaza war, as the war is still happening, and wants to have all the hostages released. The Victorian government has introduced the Firearms and Control of Weapons Machetes Amendment Bill to Parliament in what it has been dubbed a crime crackdown, as in the current law people under 18 can buy machetes and knives and walk and hold them. If police believe you're in her in her her house inside or you're in a vehicle and stopped, you can be served and you can't avoid that service, Police Minister Anthony Carblines told reporters. Richard Miles has again been targeted by pro Palestine protesters as tensions continue to boil over Australia's position on the Israel Hamas conflict. Thank you, Declan. My pleasure. Lots of news. Lots of news. Oh, my goodness. And, yes, it's only been, what, a month and eight days? I didn't catch anything about the machete. No. Oh, that was... That's something I remember that from... We talked about... Who talked about... Was it Freddie mentioned it last year? There was talk about it. I thought it was you. You brought a bill Maybe it was me. You brought your, like... Oh, but that was that was um, the uh, gambling and alcohol control. No, there was something about machetes, and I can feel like I can see Freddie's eyes lighting up at being (laughs) able to talk about it. I was just thinking that actually, he would love that story. (laughs) Yes. Well, he's missing out because he's not here. Yeah. Um, What did you guys think about the report um, on the price, inflation, everything that we just heard about last night? was something else but not unexpected i was not it's yeah sort of already been expected everyone knows that i can probably feel it as well but i kind of didn't expect them to kind of say anything i thought they would just be like oh yeah this is just life but he actually recommended changes whether they'll be put into place it's quite cut and dry too yeah 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 interesting interesting interesting. Yeah, yeah We'll yeah. hear more about that at some point. Well, we'll hear more about it if those changes come into place. Yeah. Or one of I us think, will have to bring it I up. I mean, there'll be a lot of talk about it. Oh, yeah. Because it was like every sector. It was um, supermarkets, aviation, banks, insurance. Like, I would never have thought to include banks and insurance in the, that sort of thing. Yeah. Like electricity providers or power providers. Yeah. I think that's going to be a big one. Mm, I think so, too. Yeah. Oh, well. Well... Oh, make I sure think we'll it might take a long time to be implemented. As with everything. Yeah. So, do we want to jump into something? Um, my segment is brief, but I'm sure we can talk. Uh, yeah. We're very good at talking, talking, talking. <laughs> I don't know um, what you're talking about. <laughs> no, we're so concise. Yeah. Um, I just did very, very brief reminder for mostly me. This was for my brain, and I was like, oh, I'll just write it down for everybody um so just a reminder tasmania is our only liberal state slash territory uh and it will be one of the quite a few elections we've got this year because we have queensland act the northern territory i think the three of them have their general elections and state elections um I discovered that there's different terms. I, like, I knew there was chief minister, um, but I didn't realise because they call it a state election in the, quote-unquote, states, they call it a general election. So, you know, I learnt something. Um, oh, so it's not called a territory election. No, it's called wow. a general election. And wow. I had to double-check what that was. Um, but, yep, and we've got um, our local 
elections in New South Wales, Victoria and Queensland. And I think Queensland's going to be the most popular country this year because they've got state. local, state and <laughs> three? No, two, sorry. Two by-elections at the moment. Um, Palaszczuk and Jim Maddens. Yeah, both on the 16th of March with the local election, so it's all on one day. So that's that's How many times do Queenslanders have to vote then on one day? They have to vote. Uh, if you're in either of the uh, Ipswich, West or Inala, I hope I'm saying that right. Um, yeah, yeah uh, you will have to vote twice because you'll vote in your local election and the, um, the state electorate by election. Yeah. So that the local and by elections are not the same day as the state election. No, because I was going to call it a general election. Yeah. But <laughs> no, not. that's. In October, so okay, yeah, quite a while after, and it's the last state slash general election of the year. Um, I mean that that's the biggest. The two we have two by elections that haven't we haven't gotten dates for. So the federal um, electorate of Cook, which was Scott Morrison's, uh, that hasn't got a date yet. Exciting. Uh, and Dunstan uh, in South Australia, which is Stephen Marshall. He was um, the COVID premier, wasn't he? He was the COVID premier. Yeah. He kind of looked like Christopher Pine. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> I've never Maybe like put them me. next to each other. No, I just thought of it because I've been watching. Oh yeah. <laughs> I feel like I keep bringing it up. It's not playing that big of a role in my life, but the I posters. did watch it this afternoon. So yeah. No, and of course we've got um, so our. The next election that we'll get anywhere is 2nd of March. We'll have the Victorian Dunkley by-election for Peter Murphy, who passed away last year. Um, and it was interesting. So when she was re-elected in 2022, the seat of Dunkley um, became considered a safe Labor seat. And it will be the third federal by-election since the 47th Parliament began sitting. And the first federal by-election triggered by the death of a sitting member since 2015. So I think that's going to be a really interesting election to watch. I think so. Um, because Peter Dutton, I believe, has been kind of avoiding the area. We know he's not the most popular person in this state, um, no. which might be a little bit of an understatement, but um, there's been a lot of talk about the Frankston-Baxter rail line. And, yeah. you know, I think because of... If we cast our minds back to last year, we had the infrastructure cuts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because there were a few cuts around that area of highways. I think it was more road than rail, but that might not be right. Um, I think because of that, that's going to be a really hot topic for the next month. Yeah. I really look forward to watching it from the perspective of, like, elections. And I, I don't know, this might be a personal view of elections, but I feel like especially with the amount of social media used by the parties themselves, elections have gotten snarkier and um, mm. usually they're grumpy with the leader like whoever has been in previous especially if they're someone who's been in for multiple terms and obviously because peter won't be running um i look forward to seeing whether they'll hold themselves with some sort of sensitive dignity around it or whether it'll be you know yeah. full-on yeah election that'll be it'll be really well, really interesting it's, i mean she's obviously brought it to be a safe seat so yeah. she was clearly very popular in the area. So yeah. whether someone will be able to fill those shoes, we'll yeah. have to wait and see. <laughs> I, I, really I look don't even to know who the candidates are. Like, um, oh no, I have the candidates for uh, 
Inala, which is Palaches, which is Margie Nightingale and Tran Yang. Because um, I'm looking forward to that one. Only because maybe something will... Like, an election will tell me that she's actually no longer the Premier. I don't know why. I think she's still in my head. Is she? Was she... Correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like uh, we spoke about this. Was she the last? Closed. Oh, oh, they've okay. actually closed at midday today. Ooh. So the candidates haven't been, uh-huh. been announced, which well, is why next I don't week. know who it is. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I think she's the last of the COVID premiers to have resigned or been voted out, mm. etc., um, so that, I've, I don't know, it feels like the end of an era, but I feel like I'm also just over-dramatising it because I want it to be. Yeah, it's funny, I'm going back to Dunkley because yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm not as obsessed with Anastasia Palaszczuk <laughs> as you are. <laughs> I'm just dreaming of the sunshine in Queensland. Yeah, fair enough. It sucks down here. Um, but, I mean, it's funny that they, the Liberal Party have really locked onto this um, rail because the health minister who I have a weird tenuous connection that I'll tell you guys about um, later, but um, they took this commitment of the rail being electrified to in 2018 to the election and then they didn't deliver it, you know, and it's been how many years? Six years since 2018. Like, that's quite a long time. <laughs> yeah, just, just a few years. Yeah. Okay, so they did actually scrap the funding for the rail update last year as well as there was definitely a highway on the peninsula that was also cut so, yeah yeah fun times in frankston frankston yeah because i mean i have friends who live on the frankston line mm. and like they're just ongoing complaints about that makes them sound bad but like the the amount of works yeah they're just they're so whiny there are a lot of um, works there are a lot of works frankston and i thought there was a lot on it. mine and then I'm like, no, mine are like night works, and they yeah. they put big posters up and tell us exactly when things are going to happen. Touch wood. I hope that happens for the rest of the year. I, I want to be well informed when my train <laughs> is going to stop. Um, but yeah, no, it'll be it'll be really interesting. I'm very much looking forward to it because I think it's uh, it's held with a yeah, so it's safe labour with a six point three percent as of. It's not that safe though. No, it. Yeah, because it was. I think I don't think it was considered safe until she was re-elected in twenty two. Yeah. Well, I look forward to that. That's second of March. That's like three weeks. We'll uh, talk about that more. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Other than that, that was my my biggest um, thing. Uh, We sort of talked about elections that are on i have my favorite question that i came up with and it's so not an intelligent question but which election are you most looking forward to <laughs> i was like i've got to take that out it sounds so silly but i'm like no i want to know i think there's too many elections to know i mean the obvious one is the u.s sorry i'm not speaking into the mic the obvious one is the u.s election that's the, that's coming up in, in the year i think that's on everyone's mind but um, France is going to the polls as well, I believe. That's going to be quite... UK, possibly. UK, yeah. possibly. Um, if they get themselves together. Ukraine was going to. Um, Russia is, and Ukraine was going to, but Ukraine's has been postponed due to yeah, the state right, of emergency. Yeah. Look, I think that the Russian election is... <laughs> I think someone said it, it really is Putin against himself. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was I mean, correct. Okay, I was like, like <laughs> is there anyone else... No. I think the, the I mean, statistic is. is that it's somewhere in the realms of 4 billion people that are going to the 
polls this year. Wow. wow. I had not heard that. So That's over cool. half the world's population is like, I mean, not unless we've hit 8, million, eight billion yet. I feel like we did. Um, so I'm not con- not sure on the but that's a lot of people that are voting. Yeah, well we we that. all will be. Victoria, like v- Victoria will be because we've got local elections. Oh, very exciting. Have you got any specific elections? Yes, well I'm actually looking forward to the Queensland one because it'll be interesting who yeah. gets elected because I know a few years ago it was Deborah, who's actually my mum's name actually happens oh. to be and. She was running for Liberal, so it'd be interesting if she runs again. Or it depends yeah. if Stephen Miles will get elected again. That'll be interesting. Yeah. So I know you quite like Palaszczuk, so it'd be interesting <laughs> if she comes, does it come back. That would be no, an incredible so. surprise, um, but I don't, I don't think it will happen, tragically. Unless she's listening. You know, one no. more term? Would that be okay? <laughs> Um, I don't, I don't want to have to, you know, memorise a whole new lot of names and premiers and... I mean, like, Ugh. one more now. One more. No, but they're, they're all new. I got so used to everybody over lockdown because I was listening to the news every single day. I'm like, I know all of these people now. My, we're so far past that now. <laughs> no, I will not leave it. It's been tragic. Um, the other one that just brought crazy question to mind was with the Ukraine election um, being postponed in state of emergency, I have two questions and one of them is because I couldn't find an answer online and that's probably because I didn't do a very good deep dive. Um, so we've had a state of emergency during COVID. I don't think we had any elections during the, the big lockdowns in Victoria though. How do you imagine this is totally like Actually scheming? there was one in another state. Yeah, right. but I don't it know if they had too. the same restrictions we did. It was in Queensland. Yeah, well, Queen, oh, there they? was definitely yeah. one in Queensland. Yeah. Trust but Queensland. I don't know if they were in lockdown. Well, because my, my wondering was, how do you think Australia would handle it? Would we start moving to... And this is something I feel like no one, no one I've heard talk about, and I think they should, online elections. Will that ever happen? Because people say, you know, oh, you've got to use less paper. Elections are giant amounts of paper. If you had to vote remotely, do you yeah, vote? yeah. Considering yeah. like COVID, I mean, state of war in Ukraine's a little bit different. Yeah, considering. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but in a state of emergency, like, I think voting vote, like, how would you secure that? You probably yeah. couldn't do that. They would probably just postpone it for the time being. I think so too. Imagine yeah, that. I think. I mean, I definitely think that um, remote, not remote voting, sorry, um, postal voting and pre-polling that, I guess, mail-in votes, I think they'll yeah. become much bigger and we see that all the time. Every time there's an oh, election, every the proportion year. of mail-in votes just goes up and up and up. But I'd kind of be surprised if that becomes, like, all of the election, like, if there's no voting on the quote-unquote day because yeah. it's, like, what is the election over two weeks? And at what point does it does it tip to where having so many postal votes that it's not worth spending the money to open up all the venues? Yeah, well, that too. Because they always, they always say that. They're like, you know, this is... A, it'll be... The opposition will always say something about, you know, oh, how much it cost to run the election. Yeah, it's um, always... I mean, that was big during the referendum. Oh, yeah. As well. Huge amount of money. Well, yeah. um... Other than, you know, we've got our last COVID premiere. Also, I went did a very quick deep dive. This is my, like, crazy brain dump of people who are still in politics and not before we move on to, you know, proper things. Um, <laughs> Scott Morrison stepping down means, I believe, 
and I have checked this, but, you know, I could double-check it. I didn't. Um, we have no no former MPs sitting in Parliament anymore. PMs? PMs. MPs. <laughs> no, we don't have any MPs anymore. No, PMs. Um, and I wrote it yeah, right, too. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah. But I just thought it was interesting that essentially the PM would be considered the most, you know, it is the highest, but we're ignoring the Governor-General for a moment, um, in the, within the party the highest and you could be considered the most experienced person because you have experienced that top job and the pressure of the top job. I wonder whether you know, something is lost when people who have hold, held that role leave and you, don't, you no longer have that. I was just thinking very broadly. No, I get moment. where you're coming from. Yeah. But I also think that if there's still a relationship with the previous PMs, especially, like, one to the other, yeah. immediate successors. I'd be surprised if there's cordial relations there, unless yeah. it's election-based. Um, but, I mean, I think they're in contact, you know. John um, Howard, for I, example. Exactly. Yeah. I was just about to say, yeah. your nemesis, John Howard's, <laughs> like, talking to Malcolm Turnbull all the time and telling him to put Tony Abbott in as defence minister. Like, yeah. that guy never stepped back. I feel like today we should mention that the elephant in the room is the Nemesis documentary. That's yeah, talk I don't know. I just keep talking about it because I watched it like two hours ago. Um, and it's interesting. But it does yeah, really show, well. it does show who has a lot of influence and especially a lot of like maybe backbenchers or people that are in the, sitting in the cabinet that, that can really pull their pull their strings and make yeah. things happen. The and people then, who've been in parliament for 20 years and just wanted to tell ropes. everyone what to do. Yeah, absolutely. Russell Broadbent, I'm looking at you. <laughs> yeah. It's not terrifying. Um, anyway, that was my sort of just overall... There's some elections which I will follow along as the year goes on. We'll see what happens, see if... Oh, actually, we, we do have a tendency to our lovely new members of Represent. We have a tendency to, well, as of the sort of towards the end of last year, we would take, you know, votes on things to see, you know, what's going to happen and who wins. I think we did Bridie, this once, I Bridie, think. Twice, twice okay. now. Sorry. I have to find the second one because I was like, I wonder if any of the things have happened. Were you about to say that I won something? You did. I'm pretty oh sure you did. Didn't you win um, how many uh, times they would the vote C for the speaker, speaker in the I US? I don't remember. Three, I think, or four. They'd done two. I think I said three, you said four or something, and it was... I thought I said, like, 30 or something. Oh, maybe. Maybe I don't know. someone else won it. <laughs> I'll look it up. Anyway, I, Actually, no, I can't. want to know whether you think Tasmania, by the end of... Oh, when they have their next election... Um, Tasmania, because Tasmania's got the stuff with um, sport this year, because they're going to build that new stadium, or they're going to get a team. So Tasmania's going to spend a lot of money. I want to know whether um, you think Tasmania will, when they go to their next election, stay liberal. When is their next election? I think it's 25. Okay. I would be surprised, personally. I think that the stadium is very unpopular from what I've heard obviously I, like I haven't been to Tasmania I'm not on the ground down there I don't know what's going on but from what I've heard there's a big housing problem down there and they're spending hundreds of millions of dollars building this massive stadium establishing a football team is a valid thing to do but it seems like a massive expenditure at a time when it's that money is really needed elsewhere yeah so okay. I think there'll be a change Okay, you think there'll be a change? Yeah. Declan? 
I don't know. I've got a feeling it might be Labour because yeah. I think they're the. It'd be funny if like the whole of Australia is all Labour. That'd be cool. Yeah, I'm sure that's happened three before. Three state elections to go before we get there. Oh, yeah. True, <laughs> true. Three more. They've got. They've got to keep. Yeah, they've got to keep three. Yeah. How about you? I'll go Liberal. I don't. I don't have a strong opinion, but let's play the game. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm gonna do what I always do and do something silly and a bit mad. But I think it'll be you a say the tra- Greens. Oh no, I was gonna say a hung Parliament. Oh. <laughs> I just didn't think there's not enough people in uh, Tasmania. <laughs> You're never watching... going to listen to our show if you talk like yeah, that. I know, I know. I but I've been watching show. too many, you know, Australian comedies set in or around Tasmania. Like that Rose just... Haven. Yeah, and um, Bay of Fires. I haven't just seen that. They haven't endlessly seen bag out poor Tasmania. Um, it's a national sport, bagging <laughs> out Tasmania. True, true. We should add it to the Commonwealth Games if we'd hold it. That is why Victoria was our state of the year last year. Um, All right, we'll jump to a song. Uh, I believe it is called Anti Curse by Boy Genius, but I will confirm that once it's played, (laughs) if I remember to. And we'll see you soon to talk about the elephant in the room Nemesis. Yeah. You're listening to Sin. You're back on Represent. We've Wait. got lots to talk about. And Sorry, Bridie, you're just looking no, at me like you want me to talk. My and then mic you get is like straight in front of Bridie. I know these mics are at so really like, annoying eye height. Yeah, I apologise to everybody else in the room who I'm not looking at enough because I'm just yeah. staring dead at Bridie the whole time. <laughs> Bridie, take it away. Okay, we are going to talk a little bit about Georgie Purcell and the controversy we've had, I think it was last week. Um, around an AI, allegedly AI-generated image. Casper, go. So, for those that don't remember, I think it's probably been in the news, Purcell was depicted by Nine um, having sort of... she original, The original photo uh, was of her in a, like, full-bodied um, top. And, and then, it was a dress. It was a dress. Yeah. And then, and then uh, when it was depicted by Nine, she had, uh, like, a mid... Like her midriff was exposed. And they enlarged her breasts, I believe, as well. Um, and we just wanted to talk about whether like you were posing the question of whether um, whether it was intentional and yeah. whether it was signed off. Um, and it probably speaks to a larger thing about female politicians and whether they're sexualized. As well as AI, which uh, we talked quite a lot about last so, year. Hot topic. Yeah. Um, it's a hot topic discussion that we can probably go into, but um, Crikey Media, I've just done some research on it, and Crikey Media did a little experiment, uh, far from scientific, but they did similar sort of um, uh, automation technology with Adobe on... Um, it wasn't with Adobe, but it was using their software, uh, on male uh, politicians and doing waist-down uh, automation to see what would pop up. And on the male politicians, it usually shows directly, uh, shows formal wear, will fill in the gaps pretty quickly. Whereas with females, um, and female clothing or typically has is, is a little bit like varied, more varied than male suits, but it tends to often show them without uh, like pants on. Um, as usually, in like as in they've got shorts a, or, like... or a short mini skirt was probably okay. the most common uh that a short mini skirt was, like, was the most common. Are, like, no, 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 but exposed, <laughs> exposed legs was was the most common. So, like response and 
this kind of goes into the way that like Adobe came out and said that this this whole thing would have required human sign off and it would have required human intervention, and Nine, and that was in response to Nine's claim that this was a automation, uh, this was automation by by Adobe, and um, I believe that overall neither of them are actually refuting each other's claims directly so yeah. they're jo- both they're just, just saying kind of speaking into the void into the void and they're, they're kind of saying things that are both not wrong but not entirely true but it does speak to does anyone have any comments on whether what this means and, and what actually Purcell if she's right when she says that um, women are more sexualized in politics it's kind of the, the idea that's happened probably is some God knows what was going through Channel Nine's mind, really. But I think MPs can get a bit sexualised because of their women. Yeah, we saw this last year too with the um, the response to you know, it was the cartoon. Who was it depicting? Oh, Jacinta Allen. Wasn't Jacinta, it? it was the cartoon de- depicting Jacinta oh. Allen, but it was defended that people were only sensitive because it was being done to a woman, um, and that. Because that yeah. emperor has no clothes. Yeah, that been had been done, done a lot. And this, this particular cartoonist had, had done um, more crude imagery of male politicians as well. But uh, I believe his assessment was that the reason we we say, oh, you know, well, she's being sexualised more is because people are just more sensitive to it when it is a woman. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. There's his, there, there is history to women not having a place in the parliament anyway. Yeah. It's the power imbalance that yeah. is the problem. With that cartoon, I knew. That's, that was a whole thing in our little room before the show, I remember. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, with this, I think it's just... It's a weird thing for Channel 9 to not just fess up and say, if they did it, which I don't know that they did, but if there was intervention, they should have just said it was a mistake, we didn't realise, like, sorry, and apologise to her. And I think... I mean, they did apologise, but didn't admit fault, which I think is a big thing in not just media, but the public sort of facing roles. It feels like no one is willing to admit fault or, you know, do a Peter Beattie, which is just where you say we got it wrong. Yeah. And we're constantly hearing about how much um, trust is being lost um, for media outlets. Mm. And... How much? This, this would help if, if you did if you think, did fess up. I think when they did come out and apologise and and then not directly say that hey we we totally did this and then we stuffed up, I think it was almost really immediate as well and from the head of Channel Nine, um, believe that's correct. Uh, but the fact that they responded so quickly but then got straight onto it is kind. Of, I think that they did know that they went they went wrong with yeah. what happened. Um, and it, yeah, I do. I think it does speak to sort of how media is trusted. Um, and how politicians then engage with media as well and separate media outlets and whether they can have a, a good discussion going forward. Yeah. Also with Georgie Purcell, she does have, like, a bit of a different past to a lot of politicians who have come through, you know, kind of the higher echelons of society and, you know, whereas she's been through it more. And so she, I can totally, like, I heard her on the radio when this was happening that next morning um, just saying, like, she gets so much more she's found than she ever expected and that Parliament is one of the worst workplaces and that's something that we've heard a lot of from female politicians recently. I remember Karen Andrews just coming out and saying like there's so much alcohol, there's so much sexualization, it's so male dominated and 
male centric that yeah i think it's quite problematic to be also why are you posting this image of georgie purcell in the first place if it i can't actually remember what the story was about but in the background of the edited picture it's got jacinta allen in a suit like it's clearly about parliament so I'm not sure why they're posting this instead of Georgie Purcell in a blazer looking professional. I go straight to like my years in literature at school and like mm. picking apart an image for all the subliminal meanings of like how does it make her look less professional and therefore belittled. Like, oh, it's, there's so much. I can just picture like all the lines and circles drawn around it. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, it's just kind of a weird picture to choose yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. There's plenty of other photos of her out there in Parliament as exactly. well. Exactly. Oh, yeah, so many. But, and it's interesting because, I mean, a lot of her photos are you know, similar style. She wears lots of similar style dresses and they're all usually, um, like, relatively modest. Um, mm. So it's not like, you know, if they'd shown her in that dress, that is her sort of general style that she seems to wear across most of her social presences. But yeah, they didn't. They didn't put Jacinta Allen in a dress. Yeah, and I mean, we did also have very shortly after that the um, deep fakes of Taylor Swift circulating on Twitter that. mostly. Oh, X. Um, same same. So you know, we can talk more about AI and <laughs> yeah, how that goes. I mean, you know how I feel, Naya, which is oh yes quite negative towards AI <laughs> um, but yeah it's just that those two things happened in such quick succession really yeah. it just makes you think a bit like is this actually being used for good or how much damage is AI going to cause in the future yeah it was uh, was it yesterday I think I was chatting to one of my friends who's just started year 12 and of course she's going through her last years of school with the chat GPT, that sort of thing. Declan's um, doing it this yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we yeah. go. And yeah. she's saying how afraid she is of that, um, like that that could, you know, misusing it could mm. cause, you know, you can, if you misuse it and they find out you've used it in English, you can fail year 12. Do you want to talk to that? Have you got stuff to say to that? What have your teachers said? Yes. Well, my teacher. My teacher, my old coordinator actually last year, he said, well, you actually have, to, if you're going to use ChatGPT, you have to reword it. But then some people at school, some teachers this year, like saying, well, hang on a second, you can't use it. And basically, it's all weird and confusing though, because it's like, it's AI, it's out there for you. And like, they have blockages, all right. And then I figured out that there's actually one called a Microsoft AI which is actually unblocked, and it's like, well, hang on a second, like, can we use it or can we not? Because it's Microsoft Copilot, and, like, it's, like, it's similar to that GPT, and it's, like, open for everyone to use. Some people use it for schoolwork. To be honest, I actually use it this morning to help me understand the question for business management, but I think if you're going to read Word, I think it's all right, but, yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting, because I've had, I've had uni professors, some of them say, no, do not use this, this is a really bad thing to be in the world, and I've had others say... You, you know, you're not being a proper journalist unless you're utilising things. As long as you're utilising them sensibly, this is, you know, in front of you, come up with, you know, research and interview questions and that sort of thing. So it's very mixed, very, very mixed reviews. It is, because for me, they just 
say blanket you're not allowed to use it yeah like at all you know at risk of plagiarism um penalties failing etc yeah absolutely casper what have you I think we're all struggling i it's for me i've been quite slow to the punch i think like yeah, i don't use it well like, that's the thing I, I, don't, I don't know how to use it properly and it's kind of uh intimidating when you come into class and people are really really prepped but then i have to ask like like I don't know how much control they've got over what they're, what, what's going through. I have used it a few times for things like it's really helpful to reformat things, for example, or like, like for example, bibliographies when you're writing it, um, mm. something. I can just put it all in there, all the sources, and it comes out with the perfectly um, done referencing style. But uh, in other cases, yeah, I think idea generation, it, it's, it plays on my mind how ethical it is to use these things. And, yeah, I've just been reading a bit in the last few days about this Brisbane art competition, uh, the Portrait Prize, where they're allowing AI entries. But I just, like, that's not... I don't This yeah, is just my personal opinion. Isn't that a big opinion. thing about it using other people's art? Yeah. There was recently... It's I have to get the details. But it's I've, made by a computer, is it? I mean... Well, but then, I guess, if digital you've got artists a robot would... in the museum dropping paint on the floor, we think of that as art. That, but that was but did someone? Yeah, I was going to say, did someone make the robot? Like, mm. yeah. Oh, it's it's so it's so weird. I feel like was it last year? I watched a film and it was something along the. It was it was it had come out a couple of years before the this sort of big surge of artificial intelligence. But I remember being spooked by the whole idea of yeah things things beyond our understanding having a sentient likeness. It's weird, but yeah, the the artist one because there were a lot of there was a lot of pushback. I feel like middle of last year from artists saying all of these AI apps are stealing from yeah. artists, and so. But then again, I did hear. I don't know if it was in regard to that competition. This was just in the um, last couple of days. No, okay, so that must have been must have been a little while back. It was someone talking about how, well, technically, all artists take inspiration from other artists, so therefore it's fine. Yeah, that, that, but then it's like it seems is, like is it fine? Is, is it inspira- When does it move from inspiration to copying? Yeah, no one knows. No one knows. Yeah. No, there's sort of that. That'll be an ongoing thing. I imagine it's going to be one of those things that we have to learn to live and work with. Yeah, should we go to a song? I think we should go to a song. The song that you will hear in a moment is "Certainty" by Big Thief. Hello, it's me, Declan, with some news here. Police have released new information about the search for the missing Ballarat mother, Samantha Murphy. She has been missing for five days and police and locals are fearing for her safe return. The Australian government's price gouging report mentions that big businesses are ripping off customers. The report says big businesses are deliberately driving up prices to fatten their profit margins. In 2023, we saw Coles and Woolworths post profits of $1.098 billion and $1.62 billion. There is a new ceasefire plan by Hamas, which is proposing a three-stage deal to end the Gaza war, as the war is still happening and wants all the hostages to be released. The Victorian government has introduced the Firearms and Control of Weapons Machetes Amendment Bill to Parliament in what it has 
been dubbed a crime crackdown. As in the current law, people under 18 can buy machetes and knives, and more can hold them. If police believe you're in a home or you're in a vehicle and stopped, you can be served and you can't avoid that service, Police Minister Anthony Carbines told reporters. Richard Miles has again been targeted by pro-Palestine protesters as tensions continue to boil over Australia's position on the Israel-Hamas conflict. That's me with the news. Yep. Thank you for that. All right, we're going to jump into uh, something that has been entertaining, but I think has serious background. Casper, take it away. Has some serious background, but let's start with the entertaining part. I think in the last couple of days, everyone's been a bit shocked, or not really shocked. I think Bob Catter has been shocked recently as he uh, went to Parliament. As he often is. Yeah, as he often is. Um, he went to Parliament and uh, blew up over his... Uh, he was in the Parliamentary House Cafe for lunch. Does anyone want to guess what he was ordering for lunch? Oh, no, that's parma. a really good question. It wasn't a chicken parma, although that would be oh. on... Ham and cheese toasty? No, it was fish, vegetables and rice. Oh, yeah. So, so that's what Bob Catter eats for lunch. But he was oh, rejected with his $50 note because uh, the parliamentary cafe has gone uh, cashless until they've switched back now um, because he was so angry... Um, that he wasn't allowed to pay with cash, considering that it's legal tender in Australia. <laughs> and it is actually the law, so he was in the right, it was confirmed, um, that he deserves to pay in cash. And it kind of sp- it goes into the greater debate about whether our society is turning cashless and whether this is a good thing, bad thing. He would not like it in Melbourne. He there would not so like it in Melbourne, no. places. Like Boost and Green... I'm um, not Green's Bar. And um, at Melbourne Central... Like me and Mum went after represent after Panorama on last Saturday and uh, on last year on Saturday and like you went there to order your boost and like oh sorry we don't take cash we've put the tills away it's like well I was telling my Mum like what do we do and she's like I'll just give them my credit card I'm like all right <laughs> I, I went to a market the other day and someone said sorry I don't take cash I'm like yeah, the one place I thought I could a hundred percent get rid of this cash that I had. <laughs> I know, when you have it, it's like a weight in your pocket I now because you just can barely use it anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had a $50 yeah. note almost all of last year that was just, like, following me around. Yeah, oh, yeah. And, it like, I feel like it went through a phase of when you when you could still use it but it was a novelty to have cash. Sort of that immediate lockdown when people were happy for you to use cash again, it was like it just wanted to be spent. It was so mm. exciting to have um, <laughs> cash again. But, yeah, I have some so friends weird. that don't consider cash real money, and so they'll spend it willy-nilly when they yeah. get cash. I actually totally get that. I was just talking about this with a mate the other day, and it's like if my bank account doesn't go down, yeah. does it really count? Yeah. Right. Mm. It's technically free. Yeah. Bob Catter wouldn't agree. He, I, I think know, he is a but... firm believer in cash, and I think he's... So, so it's been... They, uh, various media reports have gone into whether... He was in the right whether uh, uh, like the cafe was in the right. The cafe has since gone back to accepting cash um, because Bob Catter was in the right. If you, It's kind of... The cafe can do this... Uh, any cafe or any restaurant can kind of do this thing where they deny you the use of cash. Um, but really, uh, it's up to then customers to take them to court, um, pretty much, because they should be able to take cash and like they have, people have a legal right. It's legal tender. Um, you can use the money. 
Um, there are a few rules, though. Um, ABC News has been showing that, uh, according to the 1965 Currency Act, you can't actually use more than $5 worth of any combination of $0.05, cents, $0.10, cents, $0.20, cents, and $0.50 cent coins. So any silver coins, you can't pay with more more than $5, or you can be, re- like, rejected. So, because, you know, it takes oh, too much time. I've done that before. I've been that person who comes up with, like... Count your pennies. Here is all of my silver coins that I want to get rid of. And they'll be, like, sitting there with me counting them. I've only done it a couple of times. It's um, entertaining. <laughs> it is I have not done that. <laughs> I mean, actually, I probably have, but not to that extent. Taking coffee money at the cafe, I have had a few people just empty their, their wallet out on the front, and then you have to count it out. Um, you can't actually use more than 10 times the value um, of the coin if it's not a $1 or $2 coin as well. So, for example, if, if someone had five-cent coins, they can't pay... They can only pay for up to up to $5 worth, which makes sense as well. Um, that's the same as uh, before the $5, the $5 thing. was probably the more interesting one there. Um, but the whole thing uh, with Bob Catter's backlash, and he, he's done a few interviews, and... Um, been his charismatic self in the media as well. I think <laughs> like it, a thousand blossoms bloom. Right, <laughs> and terrifying the crocodile. Yeah. <laughs> the crocodile's tearing up the people. Um, I think it does speak actually to some of his his main argument is that it takes away our freedoms because if we if the banks have all the money then um, then you don't have any right. They can deny you the right to buy a loaf of bread. I think was his argument. Um, do you guys? I mean, bread is very persuasive. Bread yeah. is very persuasive. Um, I'm actually a f- this is one of the times that, well, one of the very, like, I don't know what his other policies are in detail, but probably one of the only times I'm going to fully agree with Bob Catter. I actually am a firm believer in cash, and I think that I hold on to that. Um, are you guys, do you agree, or do you use cash yourself? We talked a little bit about it. Have you? Are you going to get rid of it in, in the future? Do you think we could go fully cashless? Well, I think I do use cash, so does my mum. I think cashless society won't be good because for the elderly, they always use their cash. Because I know my elderly neighbour, Ted, he always uses his cash. And, like, all as all old people, they always use their cash because it's easy if they, you give a friend and you're like, oh, here's some money to go down to the grocery shop. I think... I don't know. I think if, like, cash and hand work goes away because no cash will exist, then I think... There'll be a lot of problems, so I don't know. I think banks might even shut down because there'll be no cash, so I think there'll be less of a need to go to the bank, will there, really? That's actually a big reason that uh, that, that a lot of banks... Actually, a lot of bank branches in rural uh, Queensland, which is one of Bob... Like, a lot of his electorate you could consider rural. Um, they're shutting down in rural Australia and then leaving a lot of people, as you said, many of them elderly, yeah. and farmers in particular who rely on cash transactions... Uh, the the loss of like the, the cash or the cash society is actually having a big influence on these people. Yeah, um, I think it's kind of pointless to go. Sorry to interrupt. To try and completely go cashless because, uh, like you said, like it's legal tender, and whether people are using it every single time or not, there are still a lot of people using it. I can understand phasing out checks; they're really outdated. Yeah, but they are, yeah. you know. In 30 years, maybe we could be talking about going cashless, but really this has only been brought to a head because of COVID. Yeah. And that was only because it was so much more safer to use your card. It just seems like because of those couple of years, people have feel like we're way ahead of where we actually yeah. are. 
Yeah, it definitely felt like a fast track because before that it was kind of like, do you think we'll ever get rid of cash? Yeah. But now it feels genuinely possible. And speaking of rural towns, where I live isn't rural, should be, but it's not. Um, <laughs> I'm still on the metro really train line. I would to elaborate good. on that. <laughs> We're right at the end. It is more than an hour on the train, and I th- therefore think that's rural. Um, yeah, it's not actually. We still had normal lockdowns. Um, <laughs> but I've noticed a lot of um, businesses, either they'll put up a little thing that says it, or they'll actually be really grateful when you say, oh, you know, do you take cash? Because mm. they don't have the bank fee and so there's definitely a bit of pushback from small small businesses like family-owned businesses that sort of thing that are that are going to have to pay a fee for every transaction um, done by card using the um, FPOS machine. I had a similar thing um, went to an artist market last year and they were really pleased when I said can you do you do cash because um, not so much the bank fees but they just don't have much to kind of give you know to pay change with yeah so you know they say oh do you have a dollar coin or something and i'm like yeah, yeah it's all good yeah <laughs> i've got all these coins from 2018 yeah <laughs> but yeah i mean it just seems premature yeah and that- speaking on sort of semi behalf of my grandma's pretty good with working out all of her money but she does a lot of things like she has her things on paper and i know that she can get you know, confused if um, things are too complicated or look like scams or the bank sends emails and things like that. And I feel like there would have to be investment in some kind of guidance for people who are more tentative around using um, banks and, you know, quote-unquote invisible money, um, something that's harder to essentially track. Because we can just say, oh, you know, everyone's got to now use bank account. Everyone, You know, you could make bank accounts free and say, this is what we do now but you've still got people who have to deal with e-banking and then you have to deal with scams that come across e-banking. Yeah, and some of them are really convincing. Like, we've just been hearing about this Booking.com scam, which is not obviously not e-banking, but it's it still take large amounts of money. change that, um, you know, change the format and become a bank email. Yeah. Well, you, yeah. See it, you see it with news sites being fully plagiarised and just somewhere down the bottom will be like that giveaway that no one else would see but Mm. they're just blurting out news as though they were another site. It happens all the time now. My nana's actually going on a course. She's doing a day course on the language of scammers. Oh my god. Is she going to learn about the Nigerian princes? (laughs) Oh I think so. I think she's going to become a scammer now. She's just going to be getting the money from everyone. Training course. Yeah it'll be represent broadcasting from a yacht. Oh I love that. (laughs) <laughs> well, that'd be nice. I know, wouldn't it ever? Anything, anything else to add about Cashgate? I just thought I'd bring in some Bob Catter. I think that's that's all. No. Was this never was this federal? This was federal Parliament House. It wasn't was, it? Pa- yeah, yeah, I right in the heart of Canberra. When represent goes to Canberra, oh we God. should try and pay in cash. <laughs> yeah, we should. There we, we should go. meet him and say, Bob, you've inspired us so much that we've come to Canberra just to buy fish and rice and veggies. In cash. With cash. With yeah. our, our crisp $50 notes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be an event? Or $100 notes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Occasionally. Yeah, show, show our wealth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got a million dollars. <laughs> oh, I wonder, I always thought, um, before we jump to a song, 
like when pre-COVID, I thought notes would start going up, so we'd start getting bigger notes. Like I thought that was really? going to be. I don't know where I got this idea, yeah, but I was kind of going. All my friends would be like, "No, we're going to go to cashless society." I was like, "No, we're just going to get bigger notes, and they're going to be like worth less, but they'll be bigger." Um, but no, I what? Think, oh. So is that when just do we think- sort of like inflation? That's inflation. Yeah, it yeah. is totally inflation. But I was like, maybe we'll start having $1,000 notes. Like you see those notepads that are $1,000 notes mm-hmm. that don't actually exist. But I don't want cash to be phased out because I want to make sure that I have a full set of the first lot of um, King Charles coins. <laughs> That's so you. I'm, I'm a royalty nerd. Um, okay. Oh, you're not just a royalty nerd. <laughs> I know. This is a song that starts with the word I swear I really want to and I will tell you what the rest of it is afterwards when I work out how to find the rest of the song name. <laughs> You're listening to Sin. You're back. I'm back. We're back. Someone's back on Represent. Everyone's You're listening. Back. <laughs> Except Freddie. Yeah. We're Side back. Eye. <laughs> You're listening to Represent. And Variety. Take it away with the best thing that's been on our televisions this week. Oh, well, no, that's quite debatable, <laughs> but <laughs> um, I have mentioned it several times today. I feel like a broken record, but we are going to talk a bit about Nemesis because it is a bit of a big political story. They talked about it in Question Time today, at the end of Question Time, but still Question Time, um, in Parliament. So the ABC often does a documentary on leadership changes in government. So the last one was The Killing Season, which kind of chronicled the Rudd-Gillard-Rudd years, This one is about the Abbott-Turnbull-Morrison governments. So two out of the three episodes have come out now. We've seen the Abbott years and we've seen the Turnbull years. And so we've had both of their downfalls into, you know, whatever sort of state you want to consider them now. (laughs) So interestingly, I mean, there were a lot of flaws with the Abbott government, right? You know, that first budget that they put out, train wreck. I found it so strange that most of his colleagues said that the real final straw of that government when they knew the tide had turned, the time had come for a new Prime Minister, was when he knighted Prince Philip. Yes, Yes, it was stupid, ridiculous thing to do, but is that really the thing, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back? I found that so weird. I feel like it's a really good way for the public to to have a symbol of the the end um whereas i feel like some of the if you want a broad audience some of the more um underlying political decisions and policy making that sort of led to that some of those things could have been said as that was the end but it it Mm. doesn't have as much of the visual yeah (laughs) that's true image that everyone would attach to that yeah, it was funny that no one even came out and tried to pretend it was a team decision. They were all just like, no, this is not my problem. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, Morrison's quoted as saying he thought it was fake news at the time. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean that's coming from Scott Morrison. Like, you know it must have been crazy. <laughs> um, but, I mean, having said that, in like within a week or maybe two, there was a lot of different things that happened. There was that. There was Campbell Newman being voted out in Queensland. Oh, that's a whole another story, really. But, um, yeah, I thought that was really quite interesting. And then the second episode is all about Turnbull. I found it fascinating how everyone just said he is so intelligent. Like, they all were like, he has the biggest brain box ever. I was like, who says brain box? That's so weird. But um, incredibly smart, 
but also horribly brutal and not down with the people, if you will. That's my take on it. (laughs) But they were calling him, you know, Lord Turnbull of Point Piper. (sighs) And funnily enough, one of my enduring memories of those years, because obviously, you know, all of us in here were quite young when this was all happening. But I remember Tony Abbott being elected because everyone was like, Tony Abbott. (laughs) Yes, we had a Tony in our class who originated that in our little year level. He was like guess what, I share the name with the Prime Minister and we're all going to do this now. And I'm like, wow, you haven't said heaps. Like, I don't think I'd spoken to him in many years <laughs> really from primary school. And then I was like, oh, okay, you know. So props to Tony Abbott for that. Yeah. So I remember that. I remember the Prince Philip thing because I remember it just being, what the hell is going <laughs> on here? And I remember whenever it was that Malcolm Turnbull said he goes kayaking on the harbour every morning. Yeah, yeah. Everyone, that is just like kayaking. <laughs> like that just is the kind of overarching image of his government for me personally. Um, not really about the politics of it, but there's no narrator in this series. What do you guys think of that? I've only seen a bit of it. Mm. Um, I think it actually, I quite like that. I think a lot of people don't, but I think the way that they've, cut together or, or left the, the questions in there and then let politicians talk about each other as well has been quite um, telling because it leaves this space where they keep saying things and then um, say probably something that they kind of didn't want to say. It's that journalistic technique of embracing Staying the silent. silence. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking that. The, the fame really person. Is, yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think that it's worked okay and then they've cut together obviously news uh, reports and radio that yeah. was cutting together. The it was quite nice. Although there were a couple of... Uh, the, I feel like there were some people from... You know, the, that have done previous... Uh, was the Killing Season, mm. that was narrated, wasn't it? Yeah, Sarah Ferguson. Yeah. Um, there are some people who I would have loved to have had it narrated by. But Who's I, your top pick? You know who my top pick Laura would be. Dingle? No. Lisa I, Miller. No. No. Annabelle Crab? Wow, four. It took four. Yeah, I I love oh, really? her style of How narration. How is Laura Tingle not your number one? Sorry, oh. this is a conversation for off-air. I but. feel like if I'd prefer, like, Laura Tingle Laura probably Tingle. in the style that it is to have, you know, written and done, and if she'd written and, um, and narrated it, but I like um, the way Annabelle... Her her inflections in her voice and the way she narrates different things because she did um, like old people's home for three year olds. We're getting way off topic, but um, okay, that's and those we've still got. And half then an hour when she did misrepresented, this. which she's actually in as well. I'm not just narrating, but there's something in the way and she the narrates house. and brings and the house and good. brings. I think the story with it. I haven't heard Laura Tingle narrate heaps of things so other than You're news. Out. So. <laughs> That, that's my bad. But, yeah, I was kind of like, I Googled it to go, and it will be in my search history somewhere, who narrated um, Nemesis before I watched it. And I'm like, oh, wait, why, why is nothing coming up? Yeah. It made a lot more sense when I watched it. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I feel like a narrator can definitely bring their own views into it, and that's why I think Annabelle Crabbe might not be the best choice for yeah. something like this yeah. because she does, I think, the kind of, not beauty, but a notable thing about this series is that it's really in their own words. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Having having no watched it now, I wouldn't want someone to narrate it. Exactly. No one's trying to push their view onto them, which is not really what Annabelle Crabbe does, but she does have quite a florid turn of phrase. You know, she 
definitely can add a lot of character things to things, which is really good, but I think in this case it works better this way. Yeah. The fact that it's non-narrated has kind of made it feel like you're almost back in that. Like, yeah. You kind of get it more of an insight is what I'm trying to say. almost feels like a conversation with us. Yeah. Like, I felt like I'm sitting there feeling like I'm the one asking these questions. Yeah, Malcolm Turnbull's telling you he <gasps> thinks Peter Dutton's a thug. <laughs> well, other than that, yeah. I would love to interview Malcolm Turnbull, know, if you're listening. I'd love to know what you guys think of the fact that Abbott in that first episode declined to be on there, or as well as, as Julie Bishop as well as mm. not, not there as well. And as Peter the, Dutton. And Peter believe. Dutton, yeah. So how do you feel about these sort of... Not surprised about Peter Dutton. Really? Um, I feel like there would be other things as the uh, like we we see much more of the people who aren't in like currently holding government they want more media attention but I think if I if I was to get in his head I imagine when he when he was asked I don't know how he was asked or what they gave him but I can imagine him being in quite a precarious place as to his image and that Does sort he of have thing. Much to save there? <laughs> well, if if he's trying to save it, I no, don't know whether he. Like... Even though I think if I watched it, even if he wasn't portrayed really well, the way they've done it would portray them at least honestly, and that would be a credit to him for for um, for that whether or not that is a great image. Um, but I can understand why in you know the current climate. Almost all the states and territories are Labor. Why you'd be more hesitant? No, I agree. I think he actually comes off worse for not having done it. And I that think is he unfortunate. Looks lazy and like he doesn't care. Well, there's just a lack of transparency. Kind of exactly. That's, that's kind of what you're. Yeah. You're resulting when you don't. Yeah, I think because he's in Parliament, he should have done it. You're yeah. Still in a public position, you know. He's not been the most accountable in terms of press conferences and I guess this is just an extension of that. I think there were like four months last year where he didn't hold a single press conference and was criticising Labor. Do you think for... he'll resign? No, <laughs> I do not. Um, I'm kind of surprised Julie Bishop didn't because she, especially towards the end of the Malcolm years, she had a very big role and she was a really successful foreign minister. And for me personally, whatever my beliefs are, I think she was a really prominent person in the, on the yeah. international stage. And I, I am think so. surprised that she didn't want to kind of settle the score a little bit about her position. Yeah, she felt generally, like very generally, well-received by people. Um, there was less extreme controversy around her yeah. or, or long-lived controversy even her, yeah, her the legacy of the work is more than you know the culture around her yeah um but then abbott i'm the least surprised about that he didn't do it yeah well you were that saying that uh for example dutton got that like he came off worse for not doing it now that he's still in government but with abbott the abc got their line where they could say when he when he refused to do the interview to say he's the first guy in 30 years that was Prime Minister and, or the first leader in 30 years pardon me, that was the Prime Minister to then deny this interview so it's pretty like slamming yeah. on his behalf. Great I feel like line. Exactly. Such a good line. He couldn't, he couldn't I, 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 there's nothing really that he could have done that would have made it worse. I mean it just means that his nemesis Malcolm Turnbull can say what he wants and at least because Scott Morrison's there he's got the chance to say his 
part, whatever he wants to say. But whereas they can all just say whatever they want about Abbott and yeah, he's and that's all people there. are going to hear. Exactly. Yeah, can't even it feels a little bit, a little bit like Peter Dutton in that you have a chance, but you haven't taken it. But yeah. he, he of all people, really should have. You know, this is once you're you're out of that top job, the unless something really significant happens, in theory, you'll get less and less call for interviews and and call for um, your opinion and mm-hmm. your influence on the parliament itself as you essentially become outdated. I mean, this is his last hurrah. No, I mean, I have no idea. <laughs> well, I'm just making that up. Well, he doesn't have much hurrah when he's not there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It could have been his last hurrah. Could have been. Yeah. So there was so much infighting is what we've seen. Everyone hated each other. Malcolm Turnbull and Tony Abbott hated each other. Malcolm Turnbull and Barnaby Joyce ended up hating each other, etc., etc., etc. It just goes on and on and on. They're all saying, this is who was against me. This is who I did not like. Were these governments actually functional? Yeah. Seems, like, seems pretty one? unproductive. Exactly. <laughs> what a waste yeah. of time and money. I, I, hearing bits like that when I go, oh, wow, you guys don't like each other, um, reminded me of reading Malcolm Turnbull's autobiography. Right. And it was yes. interesting. Wasn't it like this thick? Yeah, it was. Oh, yeah. It was massive. Oh, yeah. right. It's huge. And it's like almost exactly the same size as Julia Gillard's, which is sitting next to it on my bookshelf. Oh, good for you. Um, <laughs> but I'm only halfway through hers, shamefully, because um, Dad really enjoyed Malcolm Turnbull's. And so I was like, okay, I really, really want to read that. Um, and it is really interesting over the course of time, especially reading um, about his opinions of Scott Morrison, mm. how, like, even watching the show, it they felt they felt it felt more abrupt their dislike of each other in the show. Yeah, I think there was because the bio, the book's a few years old now, isn't it? Yeah, and the book makes it well, uh, true or not. It is all, of course, Malcolm Turnbull's opinion in there and what he's prepared to share. He sounds more. Um, there, there's more of a professional, amicable relationship for a long time before things seemed to fall apart. That's just how I how I interpreted it. There was more push to be friends than I think, and I think something in even calling it nemesis, and I mean, that's a little bit with the killing seasons, the same kind of... I know, it's the killing season is Massive so negative com- connotations <laughs> with that, that name makes it sound more, you know, like we inherently didn't like each other. Um, I mean, I, like, get it with Malcolm... Um, not with Turnbull and Abbott, because oh, you know, yeah. from the days of the Republic, they were head to yeah. head, literally. Yeah, head yeah to head. they really play that in the in the documentary. Yeah, so. I just so yeah, Scott Morrison and Turnbull was less less, I think, um, abrupt. Even though I, I think I don't know, I'll be misquoting him, so I don't think it was my dad, but it might have been my dad saying something like, "Oh yeah, they don't like each other," and I'm like, "That's what people now know," yeah. but there's no consideration of the relationship beforehand mm. and also how damaging it can be when your job relies on your personal opinions and beliefs. It just seems so childish. All they're thinking about, I'm sure this, obviously this is just looking back and it's however many years ago now, so they're probably just remembering the most dramatic moments. Also, respect to their memories. They are oh, remembering yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um I would not remember that much, but... It's just like, you're a public servant. You are not here to fight your little baby fights with the people that you don't like. This is like the government of a country. 
I was just the whole time I've just been sitting there. Also, they're long episodes, so the whole time an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah. I get a bit. Come on, really? <laughs> but um, they're that's just, a really good point. Point because yeah. um, at the start of the first question on the Abbott episode that they ask all three of them is like, "What did you get into politics for?" Mm. And they all say public service, mm-hmm. or to a degree, um, and. That's kind of... I think they make a point of that as well on the ABC that this is the first thing they said and then they don't really mention that so Ever far again. yet. <laughs> yeah. For a while. I like the way they're doing the tell me one word about this person. Right. Um, it's kind of oh, mysterious. And they used that so in the fun. promo. It was yeah. so good. I really was amused by the Turnbull ones. I thought they were really funny. They're all just like smart, 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 awful, awful, awful. Yeah. Um, they really put them together as well and you yeah. can see who's who's... Who's talking for who? And it's really clear. But, yeah, I was interested at how differing the Abbott ones were as well. They were all quite... There was a big range. Right, yeah. Um, Anyway, that's just a side note. Um, I thought that the eight-week election campaign that they talked about in the Turnbull episode... So the 2016 election was the double dissolution, when he called it early, um, which was eight weeks long... That was quite a big point as the turning point for the Turnbull government. I thought that was really interesting how they were just complaining about it was such a cold campaign. Malcolm Turnbull got really sick and, you know, there was the Labor running the Medi-Scare line, which is kind of another thing about the ethics of running something as your major number one campaign point that kind of didn't happen. Um, But I just thought that campaign was so interesting like I feel like they could do a whole show on that Naya you're the one who's seen it so <laughs> yeah yeah oh, I there's yeah it feels oh it's very medi medi scares different to um the robo debt but I put them mm. in a similar sort of hat kind of, of the the big Big things that I feel like will then then endure. They'll endure in different ways, but yeah, definitely. They'll, they'll endure with with a uh, um, political ferocity as well as genuine societal pain that do- I don't think gets acknowledged five, ten years on. Mm. When you're talking little baby fights, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Though I do love. The phrase "medi scare." I don't know why, really but it just good. tickles my fancy. <laughs> it's such a good line. Like, so good. Yeah, that was just a no-brainer. It was obviously a very effective campaign. You know, they lost fourteen seats the coalition oh, because yeah. of that line in that election or something. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just mad. Anyway, um, what was I going to ask next? Oh yeah, so the kind of biggest thing that Malcolm Turnbull achieved during his prime ministership was same-sex marriage. You know, debatable, but I think it's probably safe to say. But in this, MPs like Warren Ench, who's, you know, older than Turnbull, a long-time parliamentarian, basically said he took the limelight, that Turnbull took the limelight away from Ench, who'd been pushing for it for years. Do you think he can kind of claim that? Like, is it his achievement? Tricky question, I know. <laughs> I think all of these all of these policies and all of these separate um, 
like achievements that they've got that they as you said they're all bickering with each other so i think that he can probably take some of it mm. but like they're overplaying their their involvement because they're trying to protect their legacy i think that that's probably it yeah a big part of it how do you feel about it Ronnie? do you think that he's completely taking it away yeah look i kind of think he is um i obviously in an episode all about yourself you're going to try and do your best to make yourself look good but i don't know i just think turnbull does come a, this is kind of why he was voted out that he comes across a bit pompous and self-important but yeah i found it a bit hard to take given that you know whether i agree with warren Ench or not he'd clearly been working for it for a lot longer than turnbull and i understand that you know having a one seat majority in a parliament like and a liberal party like that that was so split is really hard you know there was kind of no way turnbull could make any big strides with that party but you know could have been better for his reputation if he just gave it yeah as like an achievement to his party room rather than or at least tried yeah (laughs) yeah yeah it's interesting Something I found um, a bit of a point of contention that a lot of the politicians talked about was that Turnbull was really, really good and came across well and was popular on the international stage. So he was you know, recognised as a good diplomat. He could handle Trump, as we heard from that famous phone call about the refugees. Um, what do you think the importance of having this kind of quote-unquote international prime minister versus a more domestic prime minister is you know abbott i feel like played a lot better on the street with australians whereas he said he would shirt from putin so yeah or you look at the way that he responded to like yeah mh17 he was like they felt like it was a military Mm. chamber almost um in the way that he was getting ready to go to like militarize against russia but but i think um like and Scott Morrison as well has not had the best mm. international <laughs> reputation. No. Uh, considers that kind of seem as like unprofessional in many ways. I think yeah, it, it's quite interesting how Turnbull can hold himself up. Yeah. Um, I'd say that it's really important for Australia, uh, especially with someone like Trump going around. And I think it becomes more important the the more tension we see in the world, and the more aware people in Australia, just the, you know, quote-unquote average citizen is of international tensions. To see a Prime Minister that's not handling it how we would generally deem sensibly, I think, makes their own reputation more dangerous nowadays when people are aware of, more aware, or have more access to the information of threats in the world. Mm. So do you think having a more international prime minister is going to be more likely in the future you know albo will either get rolled for his leadership or voted out do you think we'll transition to a more outward looking government i i think we'd have to whether or not we do i think as long as they're being handled well it doesn't it can't be someone who's just you know very you know interested and you can be invested but not handle it well, or the way, I mean, they, they deemed the way Turnbull handled Trump well. Um, having Being able to build healthy relationships, especially with countries that 
we tend to have tensions with. Like, <laughs> trying to think of one. I mean, always China. 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 Always China. The elephant in the room, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Second like, time I've said that today. I think, yeah, the security that it would bring Australian people and therefore the security of the job of the Prime Minister, if the Australian people like them, to know that they have their backs, essentially, in international conflict and international affairs. Yeah, definitely. Okay, well, I think the last thing that I can talk about is back to Julie Bishop. Oh, yes. She was ruled out very early out of the leadership contest in 2018. Do you guys remember that? Yeah. yeah. I remember that day being in class and we were all going, okay, weird, and then the notification came through on our phones and we were like, what, Scott Morrison? Yeah. How did this happen? Anyway. I was so disappointed we weren't going to have a female Prime Minister. I kind of, it honestly didn't even register with me that that was a possibility at the time because for the whole week it had been Peter Dutton, Peter Dutton, Peter Dutton, and then suddenly someone else. But she was ruled out really early. And then that day or a couple of days after she gave a press conference, someone asked her, will the Liberal Party have a capable female leader? And she said, oh, when we find one, I'm sure we will. I think that's a really good line. But early on in the show... um, Simon Birmingham, who's still in Parliament now, says, you know, the woman issue, quote-unquote, um, has dogged them and still dogs them today. Like, what can they do about this? What's the next step for the Liberals when their own party, their own parliamentary representatives are recognising that it's a problem? Yeah. How can they fix it? Sounds really simple, but I feel like I'd, lo- I'd... My own curiosity would love to see how it would be received, but I would love them to put up a woman for their candidate for an election, like I think, like as, to as, as a federal PM, yeah, some, yeah. Is there anyone in there that they could use now? <sighs> I mean, who's that? We've got Karen Andrews, yeah. Linda Reynolds. Mm. They're kind of mm. the highest profile ones. Maurice Payne, although she might have retired. Oh, see, th- this is. I was very disappointed no, that. I've got Palaszczuk stuck in my head, but it's not Palaszczuk. Um, oh, my goodness. My brain has just... It's had a total after-five moment on a late day of the week. Um, it's been a long show. Not not Penny Wong, because I know one of my friends... Tanya Plibersek? Yes, Tanya Plibersek. I thought that... Well, I thought she'd run last election, but she had young kids um, and said, not now, but she didn't say not ever. Um, <laughs> sorry, that... Okay, I didn't think when I said that that was <laughs> making a random reference to our other female Prime Minister. Um, but other? We only had one. Well, our only one, but she might be. Um, but, yeah, I, I was disappointed that she didn't go up and, you know, if we'd lost, if if Labor had lost, she I assume she would have stepped up. So maybe that'll happen next. But the next female Prime Minister will be Labor, but it would be nice to see some people rise up with the with the support of the country and, and the Liberal voters, even, you know, the on-the-fence voters, behind some women to get some really senior positions that are sort of knocking on that door. Because I think in Australia we have less of that um, sense of... I know, I can't remember who wrote, I think it was an article about the way women, um, especially in the US, are better received in the second position. They're received well because, yeah. you know, it's a woman holding... A position. I think we talked about this last yeah, year. Yeah, I think we must yeah. have talked about it. Yeah, they Is that are. true? Yeah. yeah. 
um, as the deputy vice president. Yeah, but um, as soon as they, they try to step in and run higher, mm. you see very quick shutdown wow. from their loyal supporters too. Mm. Um, Nikki but, Haley. Yeah, Is I that don't within the voting population or within the other politicians? That's within... Uh, the voting population. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, and, and some of the other politicians, but, I mean, when, when you're already working against them, it's hard to differentiate what's electoral mm. criticism. But, yeah, I would like another female Prime Minister, if you can't <laughs> tell. Um, it would be kind of cool, kind of different. It would be cool. Um, we're only, like, a year and a half into the newest parliament. Oh, we're about halfway then. Um, but yes. I'm, I'm kind of bored. I'd like some new names. Oh, it's... Mm, hang on. Australia. <laughs> the crack team of journalists. No, it's next year. <gasps> oh, I'm so excited. On or before the end of September next year. Oh, goody. <laughs> so I'm just really excited about that. <laughs> oh, yeah, because we get local this year, then state um, the year after next yeah. for Victoria. Very good. Oh, uh, we better let next door. Yeah, let's wrap um, it up. Come in. You've been listening to Represent, the first episode of the season Yay. with new faces. I really hope you stick around. I haven't scared you off yet. Um, and I hope someone listens. Just gets here. He'll oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, we are on all the socials. I will endeavour to make sure that I they are updated. That's all right. Sorry. We're on them. That doesn't mean we're using them. Yeah. Um, Twitter slash X. still think it's Twitter, Instagram. We're technically on Facebook. We're technically on TikTok. Um, whether but or not you'll ever get anything them. on those is debatable. Um, you can access any of our old episodes from last year if you missed us um, or this one when I get around to it on wherever you get your podcasts, Omni, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, also represent. Um, and as always... I don't know if our two new hosts know this, but Bridie and I can yeah, show them we'll that. Do As always, remember to stay, stay political. You've been listening to a Sin Media podcast where young people run the show.